how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. As an undergraduate, Carla Fuller started to look for topics that interested her about screenwriting, but she couldn't find any. So she started to write her own books, and that's exactly what she did. She wrote two books, Hollywood Goes to Oriental, Caucasian Performance in American Film, and the more recent Do the Right Thing, Five Screenplays That Embrace Diversity. In this interview, Fuller talks about black films, not about civil rights, the problem with cosmetic changes in scripts, how to be respectful of culture with consultants, and what it means to be universal through the specific. The five books, the five films mentioned in her book are Moonlight, Get Out, Mudbound, Roma, and Always Be My Maybe. We also reference a few other interviews that I've done over the years, including blackish screenwriter Courtney Lilly, who appeared in 340, screenwriter Wiko Lin, who appears in 331, and Eugene Ash, who appears in episode 290. You'll hear those referenced throughout the interview. I never saw myself as a writer, per se, but um, I loved film and discovered film when I was an undergraduate. And... Um, I found that I had a lot to say about it. Actually, I kept looking for books that were interesting to me and I couldn't find them. And I thought, well, I think I'm gonna to have to write, write it myself. Um, but I never saw myself as a writer per se, but um, I really did feel that I had a message. Like this, this book, um, Do the Right Thing, is was always inside me. I believe that. Mm -hmm. What were some of the things that, and perhaps they're very obvious, like I know your Hollywood, Hollywood goes oriental. I think that pictures Mickey Rooney on the cover. This was a gigantic problem. Mm -hmm. um, I just had a conversation about how it's even up until a few years ago, there was blackface on TV in like 2010 or something like that. So what were some of your thoughts on these? And if you want to kind of briefly go into both, both of your books, just kind of say what they're about and that type of thing. Sure. Um, 
Well, let me just sort of address the, the, the blackface thing. Mm-hmm. I, I teach a class uh, called Culture, Race, and Media. And in that class, we discover, we um, discuss different issues every week. And one of the weeks I show the uh, ending montage of blackface from Bamboozled. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen the Spike Lee film, but it's, it's stunning in the worst possible sense. You get image after image after image. And I'm convinced that anyone who sees that will get the historical uh, stain that blackface has. And I think we see it now because people don't understand the history and they just think it's funny or right. they think it's, you know, whatever. And, um, but Hollywood Goes Oriental is, is something that um, I sought out. I was very interested in yellowface and how it was kind of related to blackface, but how it went on longer, much longer mm, right. um, as a Hollywood practice and all the makeup and that kind of thing. Um, it was also the uh, subject of my uh, PhD dissertation. And, but I, but my advisor said, do you just want to talk about Asian representation or do you just want to talk about yellow face? And I said, no, I'd like to focus in on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually just, it's uh, Asian Pacific month, heritage month. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I saw a documentary on that last night. So right. uh, I thought, you know, very timely, very timely. Mm-hmm. Um, the second book, um, was about uh, the director, Ang Lee. It's an interviews book. It's a compilation. I was the editor of that book. Mm-hmm. And then we have this book, which is about more recent films because because I'm, I'm mainly a film historian slash screenwriter, um, but uh, I wanted something more recent, more current with this, with this book, this latest book. And so tell me about choosing the particular films that you did, like Moonlight, Get Out, um, Roma. What kind of made you choose those particular ones? Or if you want to pick one and kind of go into a little bit more details. Well, um, I'll just say that my criteria for picking the films is that they were fairly recent Mm -hmm. and fairly diverse. Right. Represented diverse points of view. And... um, and they were diverse, not only in terms of people of color uh, being sort of behind the, create, the, the creative team uh, producing the films, but also diverse in terms of genre mm-hmm. um, and in terms of approach. So I included Moonlight, Get Out, Mudbound, mm-hmm. which is um, a historical drama, of course, Roma, Latino, and then Always Be My Maybe, an Asian American rom-com. So I tried to get examples of diverse perspectives and um, I think we did a good job. I think we did a good job doing that. We, we kind of covered uh, the recent sort of groundbreaking films, you know, think about Moodline. Um, and, and it's interesting because on every level, on every project, the filmmakers thought no one would come. Mm. They thought no one but my family is going to see this. That's what Barry Jenkins said about Moonlight. This is my family. And the fact that it was playing in one theater was thrilling for him. So there's a humility about uh, 
projects that are smaller in scale and very personal. Alfonso Cuaron said, I didn't think anybody would be interested in Roma, you know, a, a story about a housekeeper <laughs> um, that turned out to be just um, magic and um, putting across a perspective that we really haven't seen before in terms of class um, and in terms of indigenous people. What are some of the mistakes people make? Like, obviously, the, the films you're talking about, you're really going in, in deep about the people and the culture and where they're from. How do you see that in, like, retrospect to, like, a commercial where we just kind of have one of each race? For It almost feels like just marketing BS. Like, how do you think about some of those things? Yeah, I think I, I, I agree with you because it's like overnight. Right. Um, all of a sudden we have commercials populated with people of God. <laughs> interracial <laughs> you know every everything you know it's like we've got to we got to find some people we've got to get you know got to look diverse i do think it's a marketing ploy right. however when i think about certain audiences like children who are you know aren't necessarily the target uh, right. of the ad it's a great thing for thing for them to see because mm -hmm. it's sort of modeling the kind of world that they would probably like to live in but I, I do think that there's um, a tendency to rush into diversity where you really actually have only tokenism. But right. real diversity is actually hearing from diverse people. And um, I think there are a couple of films that sort of ran into trouble because they didn't consult with African-American people with an African-American story. And I'm thinking of uh, Hidden Figures in Green Book. Okay. That, that there were perspectives that were there and right. that were available, but they said no. Hmm. That was really interesting in particular. Do you think it's, is it more difficult for films? Because typically there's like one or two writers where if you have like a writer's room, you can't have more of an actual balance in the room. Like how might you... So uh, one of the Fairley brothers did, did Project Green book. It, it was, so it's more of a white audience telling a black story in many ways. How might, should it be two people? Like what are some things to do to, to tell that story in a better way? Or is it more about consulting or like what advice might you have for something like that? No, I think that's a, that's a great question. Cause a lot of people are like, well, well, how do we do it? How do, how do I do it? I mean, and, and I tell my students, I'm not trying to limit your stories. Right. You can tell, you observe people of color and you, and you read about, you know, history and that can fascinate you. I do think that um, people should approach the, um, their subject if it's outside of their direct experience with a bit of humility and thinking, I really like to do this, but I really do need to consult with others. You don't necessarily have to bring them on as writers because they're not trained as screenwriters and they don't know how to do that. But I do think they need to be consulted and I do think they need to be part of the process. Um, so, and, and that's respectful, you know, especially if it's a, you know, uh, a direct contact to your subject. Um, so, and, and again, you know, it's like, well, I didn't know, or um, I, that, that, you know, that was just not part of my vision. Well, it should be. 
Um, and it's not about, again, populating a writer's room because you can populate a writer's room and not listen to everyone's perspective on things. Mm, right. You know, it's about listening to the voices of the folks who know. And then you can make your own interpretation. That's an informed interpretation. Do you see, um, is there anything that should be altered logistically in a screenplay? Because it seems that a lot of the essence of a screenplay is kind of short and sweet. Tell this character in the best, quickest way possible. But when you're trying to maybe show those cultural aspects and some of that, should there be something almost like accompanying with it? Should the screenwriter be talking more to actors and directors? Like, how do you kind of see some of those things and making sure that everyone understands what we're trying to do here? Mm-hmm. Well, it's very interesting because I had the script for Moonlight, obviously, when I was uh, doing that chapter. And he was very specific about his characters, descriptors. Mm-hmm. And he had one of the characters, um, Afro-Cuban. Mm. It was, he was actually identified as Afro-Cuban. And I really think that he made that distinction not to show off, <laughs> but, okay. but because he was from the Florida area right. and knew the different groups that we would just kind of lump together with all this, all black people. But he, but, and it becomes um, a plot point. It becomes right. a point in the dialogue between characters. It's like, well, where are you from? It's like, well, no, Black people are everywhere. So it's kind of a teachable moment. And it would come from someone whose direct experience has been part of the story. So that's what you get when you consult with people. When, you know, people, when it's not part of your direct experience small moments mm-hmm. small subtle moments you don't hit them over the head with it like you said short and sweet let's go let's establish it let's move on right. but it, if it's there it's very important and if it's missing that's really problematic what's a good way so let's say we've got kind of a novice screenwriter um Maybe there's like a small portion of the characters or a minority group or something like that. How how does an individual start to realize an unconscious bias? Is it just about having other people read it? Like it's just having conversations? Like where does some of those, like, how do you know what you don't know, I guess, you know? Sure, that's that's great. (laughs) You know, I think just basic screenwriting rules Mm -hmm. about having all characters be somewhat multidimensional. Right. Even supporting characters, let's say your characters are supporting characters, some of them are people of color. Well, there should never be a throwaway. There should never be a one dimensional uh, stereotype in your script anyway. Right. So if it's a, you know, POC, if it's, you know, if it's, if it's, you know, that kind of character or supporting role or even someone who just passes through, they've got to have a reason to be there. Mm -hmm. And so part of that reason will or will not be their race. So you have to decide what's the function of this character, the supporting character. And that's just good screenwriting. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're saying, oh, well, they're, they're just there because they're black. Right. Well, they're part of the scenery. That's not, that's not the best type of screenwriting you want to be doing. So to me, it just goes along with the craft and crafting every character 
there's a reason why they're on screen and there's a reason why uh, they're there in the story. Do you think the overall Hollywood is trying to do the right thing with some of the new initiatives they've done where they want more people of color? Does that limit anything? Uh, Like an example was, you know, Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk was historically accurate. So there's not really people of color in there. Is it just that, like, how do you kind of think about something like that and Oscar nominations, or is it generally going in the right direction though, with trying to put more people out there, tell more stories and everything? Yeah, I think that's really good. And I, and I really like the, uh, your example of Dunkirk, uh, because, you know, there were probably not a lot of black people (laughs) at that time and in that situation. Right. However, I think the initiatives include people behind the camera. Okay. So it's not just, you know, I have to cast this thing, this, you know, and include, you know, throw people in, throw something against the wall and see what sticks. Um, But behind the camera as well, when there's not a reason why they'd be in front, because people are learning. Mm -hmm. People are learning the craft, even if it's not a film about their particular group. Can you imagine being on the set of Dunkirk with Christopher Nolan at the helm? Right. How much you learn? Mm-hmm. You know, just sticking around, just being around him. Um, so that's, uh, I think that's a really good part of the initiative. It's not one-sided, mm-hmm. it's two-sided, which right. I think is going to definitely make a difference in the future, in future filmmakers. Do you think films, I mean, filmmaking in general is generally so much more expensive. It's especially theater movies have really gone. They are being more diverse, but it's still like Marvel or whatever it is. Do you think TV is a better landscape or you got show, There's a lot of shows about Native American people, like especially FX has got Atlanta and they've got just like four or five, like great shows that go really in depth. Do you think there's more freedom there in television than movies? Gosh, that's a, you're asking such good questions. <laughs> I just, uh, I do think there's a lot more room in television, but I'm not ready to give up on films. Right. Because I think that um, films can have an impact that television doesn't quite have. Yeah. Um, but that's my, that's my bias. <laughs> I'll, I'll own up to it. Um, but I think we need it all. We need it all. And, you know, the best filmmakers do television, they do movies, they do documentaries, they do fiction. You know, I'm thinking about Ava DuVernay, Mm -hmm. you know, for example. You know, she does it all. (laughs) She's like, I I just, I just have a lot to say in all different formats. Mm So, again, I'm not trying to limit anyone. But I'm not saying, oh, let's go to TV or let's focus on television as opposed to film because they're all in the mix. Yeah. They're all a part of the, the landscape of, of, of filmmaking or media making. Right. Do you see, so I sent you a question in email. So I spoke with Courtney Lilly. I'll, I'll just ask you. I spoke with Courtney Lilly who writes for Blackish. And he said, he said, I would, he said, my big thing, I'd love to write a novel is 300 pages and at the very end it just says oh by the way everyone in this was black it's just kind of like that's his joke you know Uh so do you think though but that's a novel i mean do you see just a bigger responsibility with the visual medium that all these things have to be really accurate to 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 make i don't know to make the story the best it can not just the characters and individuals and the actual people represented 
Yeah. And I, and <laughs> that's really funny because I think even in a novel, the characters are situated somewhere. Mm-hmm. They're in yeah. a particular environment. Right. Which if, if they were all black, there would be probably certain types of environments they would, you know, be in. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so it's not sometimes it's colorblind. Sometimes if you have a, you know, an action film and you have detectives, you yeah. know, it doesn't matter, you know. Uh, but oftentimes it's very specific to have a credible character and a credible story. You know, characters don't live in a, in an an isolation in a vacuum. Yeah. That's sort of what happened with um, Sidney Poitier's uh, films, that he would be the only one right. without lacking a, com- a community at all. Right. So um, I would say that, um, yes, it's a visual medium and we can't fake it. <laughs> you know, we can't, you know, we have to populate our cast with uh, legitimate uh you know, people of color when that's appropriate or not. Mm-hmm. But again, I just, I want to go back to your example about Dunkirk. I mean, that's, there are, there are European stories. Right. <laughs> and there are other types of stories where, where white people would be behind the camera mm-hmm. and black people would be in front of the camera. So it's not about, you know, this is my territory. No, this is mine. No, this is mine. It's about collaboration and getting the best people possible. Right. Mm -hmm. It does seem like a lot of the, especially recently, futuristic movies and shows, there's a show called Raised by Wolves. It's about AI and crazy sci-fi stuff. And it's like, it's easy enough to make, there's a black male character and a white female character because they're like these AI robot things. So it's easier to, they're, they're almost like skipping over the homework you're asking them to do a little bit with some of those, but at least they're, you know, making the effort and everything else. What are the common pitfalls and mistakes? Like what do people, uh, some of it is obvious go deeper, but like, what are the big mistakes people make when they, you know, are, writing some scripts you do you like see it in your classrooms some of those things like where do you get them to kind of okay this is a big mistake let's you know this is a red flag let's fix this uh there are two things uh one is sort of in pre-pro um you need to consult mm-hmm. you need to consult or collaborate if they're screenwriters of color and you're writing a story about people. right um and the second is putting someone in who's one dimensional and thinking their whole reason to be there is because of their race, mm-hmm. or their gender or their sexual orientation or something else. That's yeah. the whole reason why they're there. So those are two big mistakes mm-hmm. that I find in my students work. Mm-hmm. But I also find a real openness to collaboration at their level. Because right. again, they have humility about it. And they're like, mm. I don't know everything. I know the story I want to tell. But, you know, there was this um, young, white, uh, very talented woman director. And she was telling a Black urban male story. And she got herself a Black <laughs> male producer. Okay. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was a lovely collaboration. And she was able to have her vision and realize it and have a wonderful uh, working relationship with a colleague. Mm -hmm. So um, again, you know, not to belabor the point, uh, 
consult and collaborate, uh, widen your circle. If you're interested in stories that are more diverse, mm -hmm. and um, if you're going to populate your movie, make sure they at least are multidimensional when they appear, whoever they are. What are your thoughts? This may be more of a, a business versus creative question, but it seems like today, if the story is good enough, you really can't go like too niche, especially independent films and television. Like, mm -hmm. is it even possible to go too specific? Like, how do you kind of think about some of those things? Well, it's really interesting because I sort of talk about that in the book and mm -hmm. I talk about that in terms of Moonlight. And, and I really think you can get through to the universal, through the specific, which sounds like a contradiction, mm -hmm. but you can get very specific with a particular uh, experience or journey uh, that a character's making in the story. I mean, who, who, who I, I mean, a lot of people could relate to Roma. A lot of people could relate to Moonlight right. and you're not black and you're not gay, you know, right. but, but, you know, you have those, those adolescent, you know, growing pains, coming of age, all that kind of thing. So there's so much that people can relate to. Um, and, but again, I say go specific, mm -hmm. but, and if you do it well, if you do it well, people will be able to relate to it. I spoke with a screenwriter named Wiko Lin. He wrote a book, uh, Crazy Screenwriting Secrets. It was more about the like writing for Asian audiences, but he made an interesting point that the movie Get Out and Crazy Rich Asians are the same intro you're trying to impress your spouse's parents. And those movies couldn't seem any further apart, you know? I think that universality is what really helps. That's going to make any audience connect with you despite background or some, like I might watch a movie that's mainly black and not understand every aspect of it. But if I understand the key points of some of those things, you know, you're learning as you watch it. There you go. I mean, I, I'm also, I just want to jump on the crazy rich Asians, get out. Yeah. I mean, get out has so much social critique in mm -hmm. it. And again, in that case, the race of the characters is key. Right. To his experience and the point of the movie, mm -hmm. uh, you know, where he starts and where he ends. So yes, on a really broad level, Right. We have that let's meet the parents mm -hmm. type genre. But if, if when you get very specific, there's so much more there. There. <laughs> do you encourage your students to do anything to help their um, like unique stories get picked up? Like especially get out like Jordan Peele left comedy to lean in toward the horror genre and made it huge. And those movies, like all those movies are excellent that he's doing. He's got a new one coming out soon, but do you encourage them to learn the character, but also learn the rules of the genre. And that might help that first script get sold. Absolutely. Um, and I talk about genre genres are really important element in the book mm -hmm. because no, you can't just start writing. <laughs> your story uh no you have to understand genre and genre is your friend right it's friend it's not supposed to stifle your creativity yeah. or anything like that but know it well and bend it and stretch it and do something creative with it do something different with it so i definitely stress that i definitely stress genre 
And um, because people recognize it and they, that's a way in for folks. And you were right about that. You're not gonna understand everything in a specific story. Like I didn't understand every nuance of Roma, mm-hmm. but I got enough. Right. Completely blown away by it. So um, yes, that's, that's a really important point. But genre is absolutely key, I feel, in terms mm-hmm. of teaching screenwriting. And, you know, so. Do you feel like, so I've asked this to a couple of uh, Black screenwriters, and do you feel like you have to touch on civil rights to tell a story? So I, I was interviewing one writer who's like, I just want to tell a, a Black love story in the 50s. I don't want to talk about, like, it's there. And it's under the underlying and everything else, but I don't want it to be the whole thing. I don't want to write Selma. I don't want to do, you know, whatever. Our studio is pushing that. How do you get around that? What are some of your thoughts on that? Oh, I think uh, I agree with that writer. Yeah, I agree. I mean, why does every story, I mean, that would make every story set in a particular period the same. Right. You know, and you're like, that's not my film. That's not my story. My story is about the love story. Right you know, with civil rights in the background or like way in the background, you know, but um, no, I completely agree because otherwise you have something, you have a repeat, repeating, repeating, and then you really are boxing in mm-hmm. screenwriters. And, uh, you know, I'm just thinking about black writers, young black writers who years ago said, you know, why can't we do uh, Afrofuturism? Right. Well, why can't we do, of course, this, you know, way before Black Panther. But it's like, why do we always have to, our films have to be trauma-based? Or, you know, I mean, why do they have to have suffering and pain in them all the time or death? Can't we do something different? So I'm all about that. I mean, you only, there's only one Selma. (laughs) And uh, again, if you want to do a film about civil rights, that's great. Put your unique take on it. But no, Black films are not the same. There's so much to the experience. So wide, mm-hmm. not narrow at all, just the broadest type of experience you can imagine. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree with that writer. Is there anything else we missed about the book you'd like to kind of discuss or, or just tell people that are, are thinking about picking up a copy? Sure. Well, I just want to say my approach to this is looking at these five films as case studies. You know, when I wrote my book, Hollywood Goes Oriental, about non-Asian actors playing Asian roles, some of them are Latino and some of them are Black as well. It was a focus on kind of what Hollywood did wrong Mm -hmm. and what was going on there and why. This book, Do the Right Thing, about five films that embrace diversity are about those films that I think did it right. Mm-hmm. So there's a definite shift and, you know, looking at these different movies and their backgrounds, and the, you know, looking at their scripts really closely, that's, that's not saying, oh, you should have a script just like that, or you should make scripts like that only, but they're just to sort of break down those case studies, what they did with their source material mm-hmm. and where they went with it. And it's to inspire you to do something else. And it's to get the craft, get a sense of the craft at its best. 
Thank you for tuning in to the show. If it's your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit my new website for information on the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, and my new book, Ink by the Barrel, which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews and more at brockswinson.com. You'll see the link in the show notes. Thanks again.